People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Fine Music Radio and Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. It's a great pleasure for me to introduce my guest today who is a fellow broadcaster. Africa Milani hosts the early breakfast show on both Cape Talk and 702 in Johannesburg. And in this role, he's interviewed leading personalities, business leaders, politicians, thought leaders, community activists and religious leaders from both South Africa and abroad. And his real joy is derived from engaging with fellow South Africans on matters that are important to them. He's also, incidentally, currently the interim managing director and a board member of Cape Town Opera, which, as we know, is the continent's premier opera company. He chairs the panel of judges for the Fleur de Cup Theatre Awards, South Africa's oldest and most prestigious theatre awards, which reward excellent and professional theatre staged and performed in Cape Town. So, Africa, welcome. How is that for an introduction? That is an introduction and a half. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's the half that was important. (laughs) You know what? I think it's the first time in all the years I've been doing People of Note that I'm talking to a fellow broadcaster. Oh, wow. And how does that make you feel? Well, it makes me feel that I don't have to worry about how you use the microphone because it's your life in a sense. I just wanted to make sure quickly, you say the early breakfast on Cape Talk. Now, what time is that? I'm on air from 4 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock. Oh. You know that I think I'm a martyr for getting up at half past four. To no, be here that by is six. a bliss and pleasure. So, what time do you get up? I get up at twenty past two in the morning um, because the plan is to be at the office by three o'clock, yeah. and I generally leave my home, which is in the city centre, at quarter to three, and I'm at the office by three. Uh, it gives me an hour to read the newspapers, see what's on the wires and what's happening, mm-hmm. get my voice warmed, you know, a couple of cups of tea <laughs> and yes. all of that before. Four Indeed. But that is very early. 20 past two, there's no yes. comparison. Um, do you have a team working with you? I do, yes. I've got a lovely content producer. Um, she bothers me all afternoon the previous day just to make sure we've got all the interviews that we need. We schedule about three interviews a morning, and it takes some time persuading somebody to wake up at <laughs> 10 past 5 in the morning for an interview. And then I have a fantastically competent uh, technical producer who makes sure that all the buttons and the sound goes out. Okay, so it, there's not a music component. It's no. just it's talk radio, full-on Two talk hours radio. of full-on talk, uh, primarily current affairs. Uh, we, we wake up uh, the listeners and mm. prepare them for whatever is happening in their lives on that day. Um, some analysis of things that had happened the previous day, uh, but it's primarily, you know what, if you're getting up on a Sunday morning, this is what you need to know. Okay. And are you on from Monday to Friday? Monday to Friday, yes. It just seems, what sort of response do you get? I have to ask you that question. I mean, we in radio, so response is very important to us at that time of the day, because some people have even said to me that at six o'clock in the morning, who's awake? And I always say, I don't know how you can say that. You'll be surprised how many people are awake and how many people are awake through the night as well. Uh, because we're simulcasting to Johannesburg, yeah. I find that four to five o'clock hour is primarily Johannesburg's. Uh, the sun rises earlier, of That's course, right. there than it does in Cape Town. People have to drive longer distances to drop off their children and go to work. So they're up and about and getting ready. So I've been doing the early breakfast show now since the 1st of July. And I think the earliest I have received a call is 
five minutes past four o'clock. <laughs> even before I said hello, somebody yes. was calling and they had obviously an issue uh, that they wanted to bring to my attention. And it's very interactive, unbelievably interactive. Um, as you know, with modern technology, people can WhatsApp, can tweet, can do all sorts of other things. Mm-hmm. And we see that level of interaction in those platforms as well, which is okay. lovely. And then as someone, I, I feel almost as I'm interviewing myself, people say to me, but then what time do you finish? The show finishes at six, and I'd love to be able to say by five past six, I'm at home and I'm resting and recovering. <laughs> no, but no it doesn't far work from like it. That, no. uh, we, we, we spend a few minutes debriefing, obviously, uh, yeah, yeah. what worked, what didn't work, uh, what are perhaps things that can be followed up on. Uh, we're quite responsive to the listeners' needs. And if a listener calls in and says, I need A, B, C, D, we obviously try and do our best to get uh, either the interview or Better yet, whatever the problem that they've highlighted resolved. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we discussed that until about seven o'clock in the morning and then we sort of part our ways. I, I, breakfast. I go to breakfast. <laughs> By then I feel like I'm ready for a steak because yes. I've had a full day of work. Right. Um, and then it sort of all starts again at about three, four o'clock in the afternoon where we, we see what, what the big story is, what we think will be of relevance and interest to the listener the next morning. And my content producer I referred to earlier then uh, does a hard job of trying to convince people to, to, to be available for interviews. And we haven't struggled actually. We haven't struggled with that. And are you therefore there all day? At the station, or do you manage to get home? After seven o'clock, that's it. You I go leave, right. I okay. leave the and then building. your producer's in touch with you online and all yes. Okay. yes, and and she also is at home, so she works. Okay. She works from home. Amazing that we can do that these days. And look, it's been proved with COVID, hasn't it? It certainly has. Everyone working from home and quite efficiently, mostly. Do you agree? I would. I would. Um, I do miss the office environment. Uh-huh. There is something to interacting with people face to face, reading a person's energy, um, and, and the ideas are more instinctive, I think, yes. when you have people um, in front of you. Whereas when you have to Zoom or Microsoft Team meeting or whatever, it just, there's a barrier, there's a, a blockage mm-hmm. that you need to overcome before you actually start being creative and, yeah. and producing some wonderful work. And these days wearing masks as well with Zoom and all these things makes it even more difficult. It has saved us from a, um, a, a the dreaded flu. I mean, we yes. we haven't really had a flu season in South Africa, um, mm-hmm. in part because we're wearing masks, we're sanitizing, we're keeping social distancing. And, of course, the international board has been closed, which means people who had the flu in January, February, March in the Northern Hemisphere are not coming to Cape Town to, you know, bring us the flu for, for June and July. Uh, but, yes. That's um, a positive spin. I, <laughs> I forget who it was. Well, one has to look at the silver lining, yeah. you know. Uh, but I am... I, I can't wait for the day when it's no longer necessary for us to be walking around wearing masks yeah. so that we can see people smile or it's, frown. It is, yes. It's. I find uh, seeing the facial expression very yeah. difficult. Okay, well, we've spoken now quite a lot about your your radio job at the moment. And one more question before I ask you about your first piece of music. What time do you have to go to bed at night? Because that's the other question I'm asked all the time. Ironically, that is the one I struggle with more. I don't mind waking up at 20 past two in the morning. It's painful, but but one gets used to it. It's it's having to be in bed by nine o'clock at the very latest. Yes. I'm, I'm quite a social being. I, yeah. I, I enjoy life in Cape Town. I live in the city center. So life is happening all around me. And to uh, to have to to have to shut down at nine o'clock because mm-hmm. if I don't, I will not have had enough hours of sleep and therefore won't have as productive a day. Uh, that that actually more than anything is what's most painful. <laughs> yes. I've been doing it for 15 years oh, you and it's still difficult to go to bed at <laughs> nine o'clock. Um, Africa, let's have your first piece of music. And I'm 
I don't know whether to say I'm surprised or not that there's an opera aria here. Why would that surprise well, you? Well, we're going to talk about opera in a moment, <laughs> but that's a good question. What is your first piece of music? Well, I thought and I'd, why? I, mm, the times we found uh, find ourselves in in South Africa and the world right now, obviously, mm. um, forces one to be reflective. Um, you know, you asked me for um, a limited number of <laughs> of music, yes, and and. Obviously, when one thinks of what is your favorite, you have a list of 50 that comes up almost immediately. And I thought with COVID-19 and the devastating impact it's having on many of us, people losing jobs, having to take salary cuts, uh, the the challenge that we all having to overcome socioeconomically and otherwise um, invites one to be reflective. So a lot of the music I've picked today is, is, you know, invites one to be reflected. I'm hoping I'm hoping you will reflect with me. And the first aria is from uh, Lucia. Lucia de Lamamoa. That is it. And it's Edgardo's aria with the priest and choir. It is, it is solemn. It is, um, somber at times, but deeply reflective and sung beautifully by the right tenor.
An excerpt there from Donizetti's opera Lucia de Lammermoor, Edgardo's aria with the priest and choir, and the tenor there Renato Cioni with the conductor John Pritchard. And the first choice of my guest on People of Note this week here on Fine Music Radio, Africa Milani, a fellow broadcaster from Cape Talk and 702. And... As I said before, I was surprised that you chose opera, but of course that's a stupid thing to say because <laughs> you're interim manager of Cape Town Opera. I am indeed. I have been since the 1st of July. The delightful Elise Brunel um, took up an opportunity to return to the United States with her family and uh, that necessitated a search for a new managing director. And while we were um, under that and away with that process. They needed somebody to, to look after the incredible company. And I was given that honor, which has been unbelievably incredible. A lot of hard work, mm-hmm. but unbelievably rewarding. Is it because, and you, were you on the board before you became in Yes, I've been on the board for uh, Captain Opera for six years now. In My fact, goodness. I was the uh, vice chair. Vice, oh, I still am, I suppose. Okay. Uh, there's an interim vice chair at the moment, obviously. And once the new managing director, the incredible Alex Gabriel, uh, takes over from the 1st of November, I then return to being a vice chair of the board. Okay. So clearly opera is a bit of a passion for you. It really is. And and it is for an unusual reason. Um, we are incredibly lucky in Cape Town to, to have an opera, a philharmonic, a city ballet that is able to give expression to some of the greatest works of time, really. And I have a very dear friend uh, who was part of the vocal ensemble uh, more than a decade ago. Um, he he was a young lad, grew, grew up in Guguletu, um, passed matric, never really had an opportunity to go to any university, but he had this incredible voice and he auditioned for the vocal ensemble and he got picked. And for years and years and years, he was able to uh, not only sing some of the most beautiful music, but he was traveling around the world. Mm. And um, the difference that made not only to him, but to his family, his grandmother and my grandmother were best friends. And his grandmother's property was, um, I suppose, taken away from her in the 60s when her husband uh, passed away because of the laws uh, at that point. And she she ended up building a, a shack, effectively, at the back of her sister's home. And her greatest wish was that when she dies, she wants her coffin to, to come out of a brick house as opposed to a tin shack. And Skumbuzo was able to do that for her. Uh, he was able to buy her a beautiful home in Guguletu. And I remember very much giving him a big hug and saying thank you to him on the sad occasion of a funeral and said, you realized your grandmother's wish. And so Captain Opera particularly has been special to me ever since because I saw firsthand the difference it can make to people. You have to tell us the name of this young man. Skumbuze is, is his name. Skumbuze. Yeah, Skumbuze, yeah. Is he still around? Is he still with the opera? No, he's not. He's no longer with the opera. As you know, the opera auditions the uh, the chorus every year. And yes, and if yes. your voice is not, uh, you know, of quality still, we will we will no longer engage with you. And um, he, he must have left. He must have left the chorus about five, six years ago now. Okay. Um, he still sings. He sings. He's part of a choir in Guguletu, but he's gone on to find other opportunities okay. uh, outside of music. Um, have you ever been a singer, Africa? Oh, heavens no. I can't. I, I, there, there are only two tunes I can sing. That is the Lord's Prayer because I went to a Catholic school for a significant part of my life. So we had to sing the Lord's Prayer and uh, the uh, National Anthem because I think every South African must be able to sing the National Anthem. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 
This young man instilled a kind of love of opera for you, and therefore you got to know the company. I got to know the company very well. I got to listen to music. Uh, you are surprised that I've chosen primarily uh, operatic pieces. I grew up on a Sunday in Guguletu with my uncles blasting a Miles Davis LP oh, <laughs> off, really? off their vinyl player because, you know, we were tinkering away at their car or we were polishing the floors that my grandmother always kept spotless and clean or you were doing the laundry for the week and making sure that your uniform was done. So there was a lot of jazz in my house. Um, and that's the music I grew up with. And of course, R&B, adult contemporary music and all of that. that. That was what was familiar. Not so much opera. Unless operatic pieces of music were used in a movie or a television series, ah, then, yes. you know, you get a sense of what it's about. And, of course, there is that uh, famous British Airways um, advert <laughs> that uh, found us pretty ender, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but it was really when I started to appreciate the work that Skumbuza was putting into uh, the music and the studying he was doing for the music that he was preparing for that I'd go, wait a minute, there's something here. Because music in whatever form, has to move you. Uh, if, if it doesn't move you, then you either don't have a heart <laughs> or you can't hear. <laughs> One of the two. Yeah. And, and then when you start reading about the music, about um, the composers, the stories that they were telling, you, you get fascinated and you just, you know, you, you go down a beautiful and delightful pathway. And I've learned so much and there's so much more to learn about music in, in this genre. It's great to hear someone involved in radio, so involved with opera and with Cape Town Opera, which, as you said, is a fine company. It is a fine company. And which company. tours extensively and has been the foundation for a number of international careers, hasn't it? It truly, truly has. I mean, it, the only thing that saddens me is that we are the only company, not only in South Africa, but possibly on the African continent, with the exception of Egypt, perhaps, that is able to mount main stage opera. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone needs to be able to see opera, in my opinion. It's yeah. an expensive art form. We know this. And it's a kindness and the generosity of our patrons, of our funders. Um, and we've been lucky enough to have particularly the city of Cape Town and Western Province um, government uh, being able to support the art form. But it is an expensive art form. We appreciate that. We have 40 members who are full-time members of the company, and we ad hoc, on average, anything between 200 and 250 people. These are musicians, carpenters, seamstresses. Uh, in the 21 years of the company, we've, uh, I don't know, contributed 350 million rand to the economy. So, so there's a business case for yeah, the art it's form. A business. It's oh, a business. Without yeah. a doubt. Without a doubt. Well, talking about opera... We have another opera aria coming up here from La Boheme. Uh, now, I cannot, look, I don't know the art form enough to, to be able to say this definitively, but the, the duo of Rodolfo and Mimi for me are some of the most spectacularly written pieces of opera. And um, as you know, in, in La Boheme, in the, in the first act, uh, Rodolfo meets uh, Mimi and then uses a wonderful, wonderful um, aria for a tenor to um, tell her who he is and the love of poetry and everything like that, and then asks her in turn, who are you? And Mimi just responds in the most beautiful, most subtle, most complex way in introducing herself. And a, a, a soprano that does this well will take you to heavens. Well, we're going to experience that because we're in the hands of Marilla Freni.
Well, the magnificent voice of Marilla Freni, who is now, unfortunately, the late Marilla Freni. She's died very recently. And her Act One aria from Puccini's La Boheme with the Berlin Philharmonic, conducted by Herbert von Karajan. And the second choice of my guest on People of Note this week on Fine Music Radio, Africa Milani, who, as I've said, is a fellow broadcaster and hosts the early breakfast show on both Cape Talk and 702, and is also, as we've heard, currently the interim managing director and board member of Cape Town Opera. He's also um, passionate about opera and a whole host of you. It sounds actually, Africa, as though your taste in music is very wide. It is indeed. Um, you don't restrict yourself to one genre. Far from it. Um, I mean, jazz. I'm, I'm, I'm a mainstay at the Cape Town International Jazz Festival. In fact, the last uh, few years, I've been lucky enough to be on one of the stages as a uh, oh, host right. of that stage. Yeah, and, and yeah. just you meet the most fantastic people and of course you meet your heroes and heroines in the art form. Spiritual music is also something that's quite close to me. There's, <laughs> I grew up Methodist and I say I grew up Methodist because I'm a part-timer at the moment as opposed to a diligent Methodist. And if you've been to a Methodist church in any township in South Africa, there's a song called Siagudumisa. Uh, which is a, a litany, I suppose, or a reminder to people why it is we are in the Christian faith. Uh, and it goes on for at least eight, ten minutes. And if you've missed that, you've missed the service. You might as well, you know, go away and <laughs> enjoy your cup of tea. And it happens quite early, of course, in the start of the of the sermon. I'm a lot less religious and more spiritual, as many people would, would often say. Yeah. I'm not really a great fan of the more popular stuff. My friends would hate me for saying I don't like Beyonce's music, for example. <laughs> they go, what are you on, Africa? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do have quite a varied and diverse taste in music. When you spoke about being a Methodist, I, you did say you went to a Catholic school, didn't you? I did, yes. But how was that? Because, I mean, those are two very different disciplines, really, within the Christian church. They are, aren't they? Uh, the, I mean, Methodism in its very nature is responsive to social needs of the community, right? Mm. They, they, they're less about the pomp and the ceremony and more about how can a Christ-like person impact positively on the community that they um in. I enjoyed uh, my, my many years at the Catholic school. Uh, they, they discovered quite early that I could read. So every <laughs> every Thursday during uh, school term, we'd have mass uh, for an hour. And for about two years, I would be one of the two uh, learners who are called up to go and read from the Bible. I remember in, in Standard 4, I suppose, showing my age now, uh, because I was of the standard age as opposed to the grade 1 through 12 age. In Standard 4, that whole year, the um, subject that would immediately follow maths would be a double period of mathematics. Oh, and I had a group of friends who knew I would do my homework, obviously, beforehand, <laughs> because I'd have to sit at the front yes, of to the read. church. <laughs> and they would always collect my maths homework and between them copy it for the hour that we are enjoying maths. I had a lovely time at the Catholic school. Oh, good. That's good to hear. It sounds as though you come from a very stable family. And you said something when we came into the studio about your, was it your grandmother or your parents 
who wanted the boys in the family to do what the girls can do and the girls in the family to do what boys can do to give them a completely balanced upbringing. So you can cook and iron shirts and things. Yes, and I would dare say I probably cook and iron shirts better than some of my uh, female <laughs> <laughs> members of the family. They would attest to that uh, themselves. And all the all the girls in the house also know how to change a tire and to um, you know deal with a drain that is blocked and all of that. Uh, it was important to my grandmother. Uh, mm-hmm. That we must be uh, self-sufficient, I suppose, um, and grow up independent and not needing another person in order for you to to carry out what is basic jobs, really. I mean, nowadays you call somebody and you pay them a fee for it for them to do do, do it. But I I know exactly what. The the one thing I did miss, though, was was a car. So I know what a carburetor is. I just don't know what it does or how (laughs) one fixes it, despite my dear uncle's Desperately trying to impart that knowledge <laughs> onto me. You were listening to the jazz. Why? I was listening instead to Miles of Davis to instead of listening to my late uncle. <clears throat> yes. Did you come from? Do you come from a fairly big family? It is huge. Yeah, it is huge. My grandmother now is late. Um, she she was pretty much a, a matriarch that presided over. Uh, she had um, she had six children of her own, and there were many more grandchildren. And so I've got cousins for days. Um, and we we pretty much, uh, I suppose, close knit. Uh, I mean, COVID nineteen is difficult to be close knit, right? But we 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 stay in touch and we try to see each other as often as we, it is practical and possible uh, nowadays. We also get into each other's businesses, sadly, sometimes. Uh, what do you say, sadly? You know, uh, family drama is perhaps an essential part of the uh, evolution of the dynamic of the family, but it's unpleasant when you go through it. We have a laugh most of the time, but when there's a an explosion, it tends to be bigger than what it needs to be. <laughs> and we know each other, you see, so we know yes. which buttons to push, uh, yes. which is both delightful. Where are you in the family? Are you youngest, middle, oldest? So my mom was the middle child. She was a child number three out of the six. And I'm the eldest of my mom's children. I've got two younger uh, brothers who are delightful. And in fact, my, my next brother has a nephew who's turning seven in October. Uh, who just has all of us, like in the palm of his hand. (laughs) It really is a big family, clearly. And from judging from what you say, very important to you in your life. Without a doubt. I mean, I I am who I am um, because of my my family. Um, My mom was an incredible woman. She was a teacher for 22 years. Is she also late? She's late, yeah. She she passed on quite a young age to cancer. Um, and, but she was a grade one, grade two teacher for, for 20, 22, 23 years. And to watch her in that space would be marvelous. I remember, in fact, having to share my room with one of her students for a year because the student's mom, the learner's mom was staying far, far away. And it was impractical for them to travel every morning and afternoon, uh, to Langa, where she was uh, teaching at a primary school there. Um, but she, she was a formidable force in our lives and, and very present. And she would, she would, you know, take on a line to make sure that we were safe. Gosh. And of course, in that instilled a lot of values, respect, love, courtesy, um, consideration, you know, yeah. those, those wonderful things. Um, much of that informed by my grandmother because my grandmother was very present as a, as a grandparent. And I'd like to as think the matriarch, many, as, you as said. a matriarch, yeah. indeed. No one dared cross my grandmother. <laughs> Otherwise you would be, you would be in trouble. My, my three uncles, um, 
I didn't grow up with my dad. My dad is in the Eastern Cape. But my three uncles more than made up for that fatherly figure in my life. In fact, because there were three of them, they tend to share the duties. Yes. <laughs> the one tried to teach me about cars. Another tried to teach me about sport. Another tried to teach me about having a good life. Well, your next choice, Jesse Norman. There's a balm in Gilead. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Well, firstly, Jesse Norman's voice is just incredible, right? It and is. Uh, talk about being able to take on anything. She was amazing as an opera singer, and uh, she's very well known for her rendition of Amazing Grace. In fact, just the other day, I watched again, it was the 41st Kennedy Center Honors, and they were honoring Sidney Poitier and invited her to perform Amazing Grace. It was a fitting end to what was an amazing, amazing evening. And uh, it was President Bill Clinton then who was president. And there's a camera shot on him where he's crying because really? of what God. sound is coming out of her. She she put together, Jesse Norman that is, a wonderful uh, Christmas album, which was not made up of the traditional Silent Night and, you know, White Christmas and all those kind of things. She found often uh, 15th, 16th century spiritual music that she wanted to give life to. And uh, this arrangement of There's a Balm in Gilead is just absolutely special.
Well, the magnificent voice of Jesse Norman. There's a balm in Gilead. And incidentally, Africa, Jesse's birthday was yes, it last was. week. Yeah. Yes, it was. Africa Milani is my guest on People of Note this week here on Fine Music Radio. I was intrigued to see, we've been talking about art and opera and broadcasting and your family, but you studied accounting and auditing. I did What indeed. took you there? If you, I mean, when you were young, did you not want to get into the broadcasting world or, or not? Far from it. Oh, okay. I, I, I was not, um, and I think, I think I surprised many of our colleagues because, you know, some of us have been dreaming about this since we were children, right? You're standing in front of a mirror and holding on to <laughs> a hairbrush and you, you, you're practicing. Yes. None of that because talk radio when I grew up was really non-existent in my sphere. It was a lot of I suppose now, Metro FM and that kind of radio around me, which was all music. And my choice of music was very particular. So I knew I didn't even dream I would ever have a chance to be on the radio. And it was really only when a dear friend of mine dared me actually to uh, to go and try out for um, a voice search that Cape Talk was doing oh, some 16 years ago. Um, and I went, well, you know, I can't be chicken, so they wouldn't be going to do it. Um, three and a half months later, I got a call back saying, do you, do you want to come in for a meeting? And there were 12 of us in this boardroom. Everyone else except for one had been in radio, community radio, SABC. Myself and another friend uh, had not. And I'm, I'm the one left standing out of out of that group of 12. And here you are, the one standing, and now, what, 16 years in the business. Yes, and it has absolutely been a wonderful thrill and a ride, and there's so much more to be done still. It's, we are privileged, aren't we, well, to, of do, we are. to do absolutely what we do. We are. But accounting was the easy subject for me at school. Uh, it was the best mark I got from a trick. Uh, when I applied to UCT, you asked to you know, have your first choice, a second choice, and a third choice, and uh, reading for a Bachelor of Commerce was my choice, and I got accepted to that. One of the, um, well, now, big four assurance and auditing companies gave me a bursary within my first year, and I went and did uh, my uh, required three years of auditing, and I realized on the very first day of going to my very first client that I was more interested in the receptionist and her story <laughs> that I was in the balance sheets and the income statements that I had to come and audit. And I said, nah, perhaps this is not a bright feature for me. Mm-hmm. So how long did you spend in that world? Three years. Three years. It was the required three years because I'd paid for three years of my yeah, tuition. Yeah. So I, I was – and I, look, I had a wonderful time. I There's a, there's a skill and um, – I mean, you go to university to be taught a way of processing, right? And a way of thinking. And that that will always stay with me. It's always going to be valuable. And I had a lovely, lovely time both at university as well as the firm I worked for. And I don't regret any minute of that. But uh, on my last day, I was very happy to say thank you very much (laughs) to the world of accounting and auditing. And went into the magical world of radio. Actually, there was a stop at UCT before that. I taught uh, a professional development course to first-year medical students for two and a half years. And that was a lot of fun. And that came easier, I suppose, because both my parents are teachers. And so, you know, it was in the genetics, if you like. And it was when they were introducing the new curriculum for uh, the MPCHB, which is a lot more experiential learning. And, yeah, exposed to some of the best minds that this uh, country has ever produced. My goodness, what an experience you've had in your life. And here you are as a board member, chair, deputy chair, are you, of the Cape Town Opera Board. And Africa, right at the beginning, we were talking about your working day and how you've got to force yourself to go to bed at 9 o'clock. 
But what do you do to get away from all this? Or are you constantly involved with all these projects and jobs that you have? Do you relax? Do you cook? Do you listen to music? I love cooking. I absolutely adore cooking. Um, I cannot wait to be able to go back to a point where I'm able to have a full table of people that I've, you know, prepared a three-course meal for. And we'll get there soon enough. I'm also the chair of the panel of judges for the Flair Cup yes, Theatre Awards. Yes, so I get, to, I get to see and enjoy a lot of theatre uh. in Cape Town. Once again, unbelievably privileged. I mean, I'm worried about what's going to happen post-COVID-19 because a, a number of the theatres have had to close down. Indeed. The Fugard, for example. Um, the Courtyard, as it's called now, used to be called Alexandra Bar. And, and those were vital spaces in, you know, and the Fugard mm. will come back, but in a different guise and we'll have to wait a little bit longer than is normal. But I absolutely adore theatre and there's nothing more rewarding than going into an auditorium, the lights going dark and these actors come on stage. <laughs> you make it sound so magical. Oh, it is. It is. I know it is magical. I, my, my very first experience of theatre was when I was in primary school, actually. We'd gone to the Baxter Theatre to go see a production of Ipindombi. This is now late 80s. Gosh, that was, that had, what a famous play that was. Uh, it truly, truly is. And of course, then there were no cell phones, so there weren't any announcements that had to be made that you must you know, keep your cell phone uh, off or something. So we all, and I remember I was in the rafters of the main theatre, I was like, you know, up in the balcony there and the curtains had been drawn and you just saw this flat stage and the auditorium went dark and 30 seconds later we were in the middle of the KwaZulu Natal Midlands and I've been I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> My goodness what a lovely story and you've never wanted to be an actor yourself. No 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 I, I know I know what I'm good at. I'm good at cooking I'm good at entertaining and, and engaging listening. with people. I'm good at listening. Thank you. I'm good at broadcasting, I think. Um, I think so. Thank you. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm fairly decent in accounting. I'm not terrible at it. I mean, yeah. if yeah. if one was forced to go back into, and it's come in handy, hey, in this interim managing director role for Cape Town Opera. And the lovely thing about Alex Gabriel, who's the incoming uh, managing director, is that he's been in the financial world for the last 14 years. But he also has a master's of music. And has been accompanying opera singers That's for right. and teaches music, in fact. So he's going to be a wonderful, wonderful MD for the company, no doubt. But singing, acting, all those things? No. <laughs> I leave it to the professionals. Okay. Just a final question before we take our last piece of music. Are you able to let us into any secrets regarding when Artscape may open again? Um, there is an indication that we might see certainly these stages open for mm. the associated companies, particularly that's Cape Town Opera, Cape Philharmonic, City Ballet, Jazz Art, and Unmute and other organizations that are resident here yeah. um, for obviously audiences of no more than 50 because that's the current regulatory uh, limit. But February is a big month. That's when we'll hopefully be able to fill the auditoria again and uh, have opera and theater and music and dance and all those things on all the stages. February 2021. Okay, let's hold thumbs like mad. And then the one question I want to ask you, sorry, I said that was the last one, but the one thing you haven't mentioned is symphony concerts. Do you enjoy going to a symphony concert? I do indeed. Um, I mean, I started off by saying how lucky we are in Cape Town to have an opera company, a philharmonic company, a city ballet company that is able to produce work. And it really, really takes 
a lot of hard work from a yes. lot of people right. to make that uh, happen. And uh, I, I'm not quite a season ticket holder yet, and I'm getting there, I promise. But many an evening when the season is on, uh, particularly performances at the City Hall, I'll be in the auditorium enjoying some wonderful music. Oh, excellent. Okay, then you've passed the test. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's my absolute favorite, orchestral music and chamber music. And then third is opera. Third is third opera. Third is opera. But it's a great love. But opera is not my huge love because I'm a huge Wagner fanatic, as everyone yes. knows. Yes. And one or two others. But I'm not the sort of typical opera lover. I wouldn't go and see every opera. Oh, wow, Rodney. We, we must fix that. Oh, dear. We must fix that. <clears throat> but anyway, we've run out of time. But I see there's an orchestral piece coming up now and an orchestral piece of great beauty to end our session together, Africa. And it is because it is so beautiful that I thought let's just end off the show with that. I was introduced to this uh, piece of music by a dear friend not so long ago, a couple of years ago, and it stayed with me ever since. It's true about any music, isn't it? Music is a soundtrack to our lives, mm, and you, you, you can associate a piece of music with a particular moment. And and Mahler's Fifth Symphony, particularly the fourth movement, uh, just it brings sunshine to my life. You know, it's a love letter, actually. Ah. Yeah, he wrote it as a love letter to his wife, Alma, you can hear that. Yeah, just strings and harp from this huge orchestra. Now, we can't play the whole movement because we will run out of time, but I'm sure you don't mind if we play a good four or five minutes just to get the atmosphere and the feel. Is of that course. okay? Of course. Thank you. My guest has been Africa Milani, who's the host of the Early Breakfast Show on both Cape Talk and 702, and he's currently the interim manager, the managing director and board member of Cape Town Opera. Africa, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much for having me, Rodney. It's been a lot of fun.
the beautiful Adagietto, the fourth movement of Mahler's Symphony No. 5, with the Halle Orchestra conducted by Sir John Bob Rolly. And People of Note was brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. Thank you.